Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Welcome, you are listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian, a show where you can ask the questions about faith and have them answered, and we also have discussions about the faith. In this episode, we'll find out whether Spain is on track for World Youth Day. We'll also find out about the new translation of the Mass. And can a Maronite marry a Roman Catholic? Welcome to Q&A with Bishop Julian. If you'd like to have your questions answered, email us at askcradio at cradio.org.au. You can also tweet us at Cradio Limited or phone us on 028005 You can even ask a question via Skype. Uh, the, the Skype is also the same as our Twitter, it's Cradio Limited. But first, the man with the answers, he's just arrived back from a whirlwind trip to Spain. Welcome back, Bishop Julian. Thank you, Adrian. Very happy to be here. And uh, your trip to Spain, uh, I assume you were checking out Madrid for 2011. What happened there? I was. I went over to uh, to Madrid to have a look at the preparations for the World Youth Day in August next year and very encouraged. I think uh, the Spanish people are doing a great job in preparing things for World Youth Day. I particularly wanted to see on the ground where things were taking place so that we could help um, facilitate the involvement of uh, Australian pilgrims. Madrid is a really beautiful city. Wide, uh, open uh, streets, trees. It's um, it's going to be a lovely city to uh, to attend World Youth Day in, and I think um, it's going to be an extraordinary event. They're expecting up to two million young people to be there for the final mass with the Holy Father. It's going to be an event not to miss. So have you heard much about the World Youth Day program? Is it going to be different in any way to previous World Youth Days or is it going to follow a lot of the same theme um, in terms of catechesis for a week, Stations of the Cross, Final Mass? Are those, have they brought out the program yet? They haven't brought out the, the, the detailed program. Of course, World Youth Days has a particular formula, if you like. And so all the key events that we experience in Sydney will be also um, in Madrid. Of course, they'll do it in their own particular way. The Stations of the Cross, for instance, are going to be down this main boulevard in, um, in Madrid. So that's going to be quite uh, wonderful. They're actually going to have tableaus at each location um, and the cross will be carried down. So um, the events will be very similar to World Youth Day, but of course they'll have their own particular flavour from Spain and from Europe, uh, which will make it uh, distinctive and different from what we experience here in Sydney. And in terms of numbers, Australians, are there many Australians planning to go to Madrid? Uh, I mean, it isn't a cheap trip. It isn't that close. Uh, how are the numbers looking? We're expecting um, a, a good number of pilgrims from uh, Australia. Certainly the biggest group we've had go overseas, mainly because of the whole experience here in Sydney. Many young people now have discovered uh, the, the great thing that World Youth Day is. Generally, we're anticipating 5,000 pilgrims uh, from all over Australia. We're planning to take 1,000 from Sydney here and 
uh, I think we'll have a, a very good contingent from right across Australia. Well, let's get down to the questions for Q&A with Bishop Julian. And it looks like they're starting to roll in. So if you'd like to have your questions submitted, you can you can phone us or email us. Just have a check at our website, cradio.org.au. But our first question is Belinda, and uh, she called up on our telephone number 8005-1530. I just wanted to ask a question in regards to the new translation of the Mass. I've heard a lot about the new translation that's, that's happening. I was just wondering if you could tell me and everyone listening what, what's going to change, um, how we can prepare and, and when it's going to start. Uh, Belinda, you've asked a, a really good question, um, and I'm sure it's a question on the minds of many, many Australians at this point in time. Um, and I'd like to uh, speak a bit about it because I think it is a, a very important uh, thing to, to understand, but, but also it's a great opportunity for us to, uh, to have a bit of a renewal and revitalisation of our appreciation of the celebration of Mass. <clears throat> Perhaps the first thing that we need to just remind ourselves, just to put things in context, is that as, as I think most people are aware, the, at the Second Vatican Council, one of the uh, things that the Council Fathers um, decided was that the, uh, the Mass should be celebrated in, um, in the language of, of the people. So before it was celebrated in Latin, and now it would be celebrated uh, in the, the language of, of the people. And so for us here in Australia, obviously that is English. Uh, having um, made that decision, then there was a process of uh, of actually translating the the Latin text. The, the Latin text um, was was first translated and and promulgated in 1970. And so, the mass that we know today, we experience today, the translations and the the words and things like the Creed and the Gloria and so forth that we've become very familiar with, were translated in 1970. And so. They've been around for some time. However, it was also um, we were also aware that uh, that there were some limitations to that first translation. And as with anything, over time we, we start to be aware of some limits. And so the church then d decided that uh, it would be appropriate for there to be, a, if you like, a retranslation of the text. And in particular. This new translation, which has taken eight years, so it's been a long and and quite involved process. This um, new translation really seeks to be more faithful to the original Latin text. In, in a way, before things were simplified a bit, and, and often whole phrases of the Latin were were left out. A very good example of that, for instance, is uh, in what we say in the Confidia. We, we say uh, that we have sinned through our own fault. Now, the Latin actually says, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And the, the church really wants to restore a closer fidelity to the, 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 the Latin text. And what is the more ancient tradition of the church? These prayers that we have in Latin have a very uh, old um, background and, and they've been in the church for centuries and centuries and so we're trying to recapture if you like the the deeper tradition of the church in the way in which uh, the uh, latin text is translated so this um, this new translation is going to be uh, promulgated across the english-speaking world in uh, 2011 
for us here in Australia, the Australian bishops have made the decision that uh, we will begin the, the new translations in the liturgy at Pentecost next year, Pentecost 2011. And we'll have a period between then and the, the first Sunday in Advent in which these things can be uh, implemented and people can get used to it. And then from Advent 2011, so really the beginning of the new liturgical year of 2012, then that will be um, the official way in which the Mass is celebrated throughout Australia. So when the changeover finally happens, Bishop Julian, does that mean it has to happen after Advent next year, that every diocese across Australia has to do it that way? That, that's correct. That, this will now become the official translation of the, the Mass for all Catholics right across the English-speaking world. And, uh, and so there'll be a transition. There'll be a number of things happening. For instance, uh, there will be some special mass cards prepared, which will be available to all Catholics. And so little changes like, for instance, one that probably most people find a bit unusual when they first hear it is the priest says, the Lord be with you. And our answer now will be, and with your spirit. Now, there's a very deep uh, reason for that uh, in, in terms of liturgical understanding. Um, but we'll have a card that will actually remind us that this is now the translation that we're using. So there'll be a lot of helps uh, for us in being able to use the, the new translation. And also in parishes across Australia, there'll be opportunities for people to understand more clearly uh, what the changes are gonna be and, uh, and prepare themselves to, uh, to use the, the new translation of the, of the Mass. And for example, with the Through My Fault, the, the old mea culpa, is there now instructions that we are supposed to strike the breast? Is that coming back? Is that part of the new translation? Is there more actions involved? The, the practice of, um, of striking the breast is, is still being part of Catholic custom <clears throat> with the translation where we just did it once. Um, perhaps with uh, the saying of the three times, it'll give us more... Um, opportunity or awareness of of humbly acknowledging to God that we've sinned. I mean, that's what we're saying, through my fault. I'm, I'm not making any excuses. I'm not trying to uh, justify anything. Lord, as I stand before you at the beginning of this Mass, I want to humbly say, I have sinned grievously through my own fault. And I'm truly sorry. So the striking of the breast can be a very simple but a very meaningful way, if you like, of acknowledging our genuine, genuine contrition, that we, we want to say to God, we are truly sorry. So those practices, I think, are very good. One thing I think that these new translations uh, can do for us is really help us reappreciate a lot of things in the Mass that maybe we've become very used to. Maybe we've, we say out of rote fashion now, we just, if you like, rattle off the words. And that's always something that is likely to happen when we become very familiar with something. I think one of the values of this uh, implementation of the new translations is that we'll have to pay more attention to the words. And I think we'll probably find ourselves more appreciative of the meaning of the things we're saying and doing at Mass. So I think that could be a very good thing for us. So as Belinda asked, what can we as ordinary Catholics do to prepare ourselves for this? Just keep abreast of the news coming out, learning the different when documents are released have a read of them what what sort of things can we do as ordinary catholics 
Uh, I think the first thing that I would encourage all Catholics to do is really approach this in a very open-minded way. There's been an enormous amount of work done uh, in preparing these uh, these texts, and, and I think they will enrich and deepen our faith. So I think the first thing for us would be to to be open to benefiting from this change and perhaps not just seeing it as a, a something we have to do, it's a new way we've got to say things or whatever, but say, no, no, I want to see this as a way in which I can enter more deeply into the celebration of Mass. So I take an open mind to it. I'm coming at the translations with a, a real desire to uh, have them as a means of enriching and deepening my, deepening my participation in Mass. The second thing I think is uh, there'll be various opportunities where people can um, learn about the new translations, prepare for it, there'll be uh, instructions in parishes. I'd really encourage people to take part in those as much as they can, to take a bit of an interest in it, to make an effort to understand things, maybe to materials that are given out, to sit down at home, read them over, think about them, take it as a chance to grow more deeply in appreciation of what we're doing and what we're saying at Mass. I think this will be one of the great benefits that can come to all of us um, through the implementation of these changes. Thanks for your call, Belinda. Uh, you're listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian, a show where you can ask the questions about the faith uh, and have them answered. If you'd like to have your questions answered, email us at askcradio at cradio.org.au. You can also tweet us at Cradio Limited or phone us on 02800501530. And you can ask a question from anywhere in the world. Just Skype us at Cradio Limited. We have an answering machine that is uh, always ready and available for you to uh, answer your call and uh, for you to put your question on there. Our next question is from Sarah. I have uh, two questions for you. I uh, want to know about the Maronite Church and uh, the Catholic Church. And uh, I want to ask uh, the bishop two questions about uh, about the Maronite Church. I want to know if it's uh, okay for a Maronite uh, and a non-Maronite to marry uh, in a Roman Catholic Church, and also I want to know if uh, it's all right for um, for uh, uh, I want to know also if uh, what's the main difference between a Maronite Mass and a Roman Catholic Mass. Uh, I hope uh, the bishop can answer me these two questions. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, thank you for your question too. I think it's. Uh... It's a very important question and, and something, again, that you're asking the question, I'm sure many other people too, are, um, are struggle with the, with the whole idea of why are there groups like the Maronites? They're Catholic, but they're Maronite. And, and how does that come about? What's, uh, what's the difference and so on? I think the first thing that's uh, important to realise is the Catholic Church being, as it is now, over 2,000 years old, has, has had a rich and, and varied history. And at different times in history, different things have happened that have uh, led to the emergence of, of a variety of what we, what we can call the different rites. Those who are, 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 are like Latin Catholics, we then generally can call ourselves the Latin rite. It's just the term we often use to apply to ourselves. And there are a number of other rites, like the Maronite rite, 
the Maronite rite um, is fully and completely part of the Catholic Church, but because of historical reasons, particularly because people in, in the Middle East and particularly in what we now know as Lebanon were for centuries cut off from effective access and, and relationship with the church in Rome because uh, that whole area was dominated by Islam and uh, the, the Christians were a very small and often embattled minority in these countries, that they continued often heroically to preserve and hand on their faith century after century, but not having that direct contact, uh, effective relationship with the, the rest of the church. And so they've developed some of their own particular rites and patterns and structures and ways of doing things, completely faithful to the Catholic Church, but they've taken particular expressions in their own country and in their own culture. And so uh, those rites um, e exist in places like Lebanon and Syria today. Um, but of course, many people have then moved. Um, we've had a lot of people, particularly after the troubles in Lebanon, who've moved out to Australia. They've come as Maronites. So they immediately feel a relationship with the, the Catholic Church here in, in Australia, and, and many of them very quickly and very easily integrated into the Catholic Church. But they still are technically part of a rite of the Catholic Church, the Maronite rite, which has its own patriarch and has its own bishops. Now, for a long time in Australia, there was no uh, Maronite bishop. But when the Maronite bishop came, he was able to establish a little bit like a diocese. We call it an eparchy. So there is within Australia the dioceses that make up the, uh, the Latin Rite Church, but there are also a couple of dioceses that make up these uh, eparchies of some of the other rites. And the Maronites, the Melkites are, are two examples of that. And so if somebody was uh, baptised as a Maronite Catholic, now that they have their own bishop in Australia, their bishop is the Maronite bishop. It's not so much the bishop of the local Latin Rite diocese. And for some people who've been in Australia a long time, that's been a bit of a problem because they've, they feel quite at home with, the, um, with, with being part of the, the Latin Rite Church in, in Australia. But it's the, the church has always said we want to respect and preserve the integrity of these traditions. And, and so even though somebody may be baptised, even baptised in a Catholic church, if their parents are Maronite, they still remain Maronite. And uh, the church has always wanted to respect and preserve these, these ancient rites. And so sometimes it can cause difficulties. Now, when a Maronite and a non-Maronite, let's say a Latin Rite Catholic, uh, want to marry uh, in the church, um, they're free to choose either church. So a Maronite and, and a Latin Rite Catholic, they can select the church that they want to be married in. They can be married in the, in the Maronite Rite or in the Latin Rite. And it's, it's, they're free to make their own choice. So, Bishop Julian, what's the difference between a Maronite Mass and, and a Catholic Mass? What, what differences are there? If you were to say Latin Rite Catholic, if a Latin Rite Catholic was to go along to a Maronite Mass... They would, I think, identify a lot of the key elements that are in our Mass, the, the, the Latin Rite Mass. But there'd be a bit of different, more singing, um, the way the readings are done just slightly differently. But what I think the immediate impression would be 
this mass really is the same as the Latin Rite Mass, and that's true, because the, the traditions, the understanding of the meaning of what's happening at the Mass is the same in both rites. The ways it can find expression, and particularly the traditions, say, associated with the singing, and, and I find when I go to a Latin um, when I go to a Maronite Mass, the singing is quite beautiful, and I find myself quite transported um, by the way in which the singing and and different times when the singing, if you like, breaks into the celebration of the Mass. Um, but it's the same Mass, and, and I think we we'll, would see that. Um, and, and we recognise that while there is a basic identity of the same thing happening, the actual expression of it can be slightly different in both cases. A Catholic going to a Maronite Mass is completely free and able to receive Holy Communion. There's no, there's no problem whatsoever. Same as a Maronite, going to a Latin Rite Catholic Church, they can receive Holy Communion, as, as they do. So we could sort of say, like the Maronites and the Latin Rite Catholics, we're brothers and sisters. We belong to the same family. We have many, many things in common. Slight differences, but they're really superficial differences rather than sub substantial differences. One thing, I, I've been to one Maronite Mass uh, in my life was their use of Arabic through the Mass. And I, I found that that was, in some ways, you, you get a feel of, you know, this was the, well, the type of language, you know, Aramaic was the language of, of Jesus. But you get a feeling of, of what the Middle East, maybe even what that first Mass was like. There's more of, there's a little bit more of that a sense of of history there, if if that makes sense. And and connected to the, you know, Lebanon, but also, you know, the Middle Eastern area. That's very, very true. And I, I, that's the thing I find. When I go to a Maronite Mass, and, and I've been to Masses also in Lebanon itself, uh, I find myself somehow closer to what it must have been like at the very beginnings of the church. You, you've, you sense the, the, the culture, the, the way in which um, people sing and, and so forth is, you think this is probably what it was more like among the, the apostles when they first celebrated the liturgy. And, and so in a way it, it brings us back to our roots because our roots really are in the Middle East and, um, and those traditions, Catholic traditions in the Middle East have really preserved something of the character of the church as it was at the very beginning. Thanks for listening to this edition of Q&A with Bishop Julian. For more information or how to get in contact with the show, go to our website, cradio.org.au.